strange cat-like beasts prowl, and farmers across the country suffer unexplained and grisly attacks on their livestock. These aren't stories from the jungles of Asia or the forests of South America, but the sedate woodlands and countryside of rural Britain. Eyewitnesses independently report creatures which simply should not exist in this time and place, fueling speculation of an undiscovered species living in the shadows. Despite an excess of anecdotal evidence, finding hard facts to support the existence of these animals has been close to impossible. Are the reports of predatory beasts heavily exaggerated, or is there an uncomfortable element of truth? From our dark and sinister past to the weird and wonderful every day, throughout human history we have shared stories. In this series we will blow the dust off some of the most intriguing and lesser known tales. Mysterious disappearances, strange phenomena, local legends and events too incredible to be pure fiction. Welcome to Astonishing. In 1770, the journalist William Cobbett, as a young man, walked through the ruins of Waverley Abbey in southern England. There, he witnessed, through the mist, an impossibly large grey cat entering the hollow of a nearby elm tree. It was one of the earliest accounts of a big cat in Britain to be committed to print, and ever since, hundreds of sightings have been reported each year across the nation. Colloquially, they are known as ABCs, alien or anomalous, big cats. There have been 155 big cat sightings reported in the UK in the past three years, and it's believed that many such incidents are left unreported. Everyone seems to have a friend of a friend who has seen something huge stalking the fields from a distance, but didn't see fit to alert the authorities. That number has been collated via freedom of information requests to the country's various police forces, a level of effort which indicates that interest in this phenomenon is higher than ever. The frequency of the sightings suggests more than just mistaken identity, or even a hoax. These sightings have been commonplace for the past century, as methods of detecting these cats, and of recording them, have grown more sophisticated. Officially, the UK has just one native cat species, the Scottish wildcat, found exclusively in the Scottish Highlands, and not much larger than the average domestic tabby, there's no mistaking them for a larger predator when seen up close. Meanwhile, the number of animal carcasses found stripped to the bone across the country cannot be easily blamed on any known predator. And that's why so many researchers refuse to give up the chase. For cryptozoologists, documenting the existence of a native big cat species in Britain is not just a hobby, it's a calling. The British Big Cat Society, which has been operating for decades, was set up to raise awareness and share information to believers. Their stated mission, to prove and protect. The second part of that mission extends to their aim to have British big cats designated collectively as a protected species. 
The society encourages members of the public to report incidents directly to them, but they don't simply wait for reports to come to them. Among other projects, they raise money for the deployment of trigger cameras to capture images of big cats in remote areas. Beastwatch UK, meanwhile, aims to provide a database of reliable and accurate information on exotic wildlife within the UK, and rely on a vast network of volunteers. As technology has developed, cataloguing and sharing proof of sightings has become far more convenient and frequent. Indeed, sightings are now just as likely to be captured by camera drones or home CCTV, and YouTube has flourished with such videos. User-generated maps of sightings allow keen observers to identify, at a glance, hotspots for cat activity. It isn't an easy task. Most people simply scoff at the suggestion that big cats could dwell in Britain, and in the summer months, when politics is out of the news, the nation's tabloids often have great fun publicising sightings in the absence of hard news. It's also fair to say that many of those who spend their time seeking out the truth about cats are equally passionate about hunting for other cryptids. The Loch Ness Monster, for example. It can be somewhat damaging to the credibility of the movement. While there are hundreds of recorded sightings of big cats throughout modern history, they're mostly unrecorded or based on flimsy evidence, and often slip through the net. But occasionally, several connected reports coalesce and break through into the public consciousness, becoming part of a wider narrative, and eventually become the stuff of legend. The following information pertains to some of the most infamous and noteworthy tales of big cats, after which we'll look at what hard evidence is available to determine what's really out there, waiting and watching. In May of 1978, Mrs Anne Stanett rode her bicycle across Grangers Hill near Waldingham, a picturesque beauty spot high up in the ridge of Chalk Hills known as the North Downs. At once, she saw a shape darting across the road in front of her. Mrs Stanett believed she was looking at a lioness, describing its beige or light brown colour and small head in comparison with the rest of its body. She recalls being no more than 10 or 12 yards from where the creature was. It ran from the southeast side of the road to the opposite and disappeared into the thick bushes. This, big cat investigators believe, was a sighting of the Surrey Puma. This rare beast has been recorded sporadically since 1959. It's one of the few reported big cats where the details of each sighting have been mostly consistent with one another. It's also one of the longest-running chain of sightings. Reports of an unnaturally large predator roaming the woodlands of Surrey and Hampshire continue to this day. In the 1960s, the local police force were handed a plaster cast of a large paw print. They filed it in their low-priority case file on the big cat phenomenon, which had been brought to their attention following injuries to local livestock. And in 1966, the photographer Ian Pert handed in a photograph of a larger-than-average cat next to a local house. So far, so unconvincing. Scraps of evidence followed. Poor prints in the snow in 1970, 
Hair samples confirmed to be from a puma found in 1984. But in 2005, the most convincing evidence yet was found. A video recording of an unidentified animal was submitted to a local newspaper which reproduced the imagery in stills. The animal was described as being gingery brown colour, about the size of an Alsatian dog, but definitely not a fox. Similar reports flooded in, some recent and some from the past. The case for a wild puma roaming one of England's sleepiest counties seemed to be more convincing than ever. Unlike the Surrey puma, not all big cats cause such low-key disruption. In North Devon in the late 1980s, a farmer was plagued by violent attacks on his livestock. He claimed to have lost over a hundred sheep, all of them having suffered violent and fatal throat injuries at the hands of an unidentified animal. Sightings of a big cat had been reported in the area since the 1970s, but it took this plea for help for decisive action to be taken. The Royal Marines descended on the area. Their quarry? The elusive beast of Exmoor. The Ministry of Agriculture's decision to dispatch the Marines to investigate the situation was an unprecedented move. Equipped with high-velocity sniper rifles, the Marines combed the area. Happily for the beast, though several of the Marines claimed to have spotted it, no shots were fired. Ever since, Livestock attacks and sightings of unusually large cats have been blamed on the beast. In fact, following the Marines' incursion into the North Devon area, attacks on livestock actually increased, and by 1987 more than 200 farm animal deaths had been attributed to the creature. The beast of Exmoor, phantom or otherwise, had passed into legend. Arguably the most famous of all big cats in Britain, is the beast of Bodmin, a panther-like monster supposedly three to five feet long. The beast is said to stalk Bodmin Moor in Cornwall and was first reported in 1978. The moor itself is a vast area of Cornwall, dotted with the remains of several Neolithic sites including burial cairns. The landscape is desolate and windswept. Many photographs seem to show a sleek, jet-black creature wandering the open moors at a distance, or watching the picture-taker unblinking. In 1995, after years of sightings and reports of mauled livestock, an investigation set out to find the truth behind the legend. It was a large-scale endeavour, but not too large. ADAS, the Agricultural Development Advisory Service, employed two scientists, whose tasks included the making of plaster casts of footprints across the local moors, examining carcasses and painstakingly reconstructing events. The investigators concluded no verifiable evidence for the presence of a big cat was found. However, they added, it would never be possible to prove that an exotic cat was not present. There was a little press coverage at the time, but the inconclusive nature of the project didn't set the world alight. Later, when more details about the investigation came to light, the popular tabloid The Sun made much of the fact that the government had spent £84,000 on the project with no results. As they put it, the Beast of Bodmin, the moorland monster feared for decades, was really just a big pussycat, newly unearthed government files reveal. 
just one week after the investigation wrapped up, a boy named Barney Lanyon Jones discovered something peculiar on the banks of the River Foy nearby. It was the skull of a large cat. Missing its lower jaw, but with a large set of teeth still intact, it was unfortunate for the investigators that news of the discovery hit the press just as they reported. There was much hope that the enigma of the Beast of Bodmin had finally been solved, and the skull was sent to the Natural History Museum in London and forensically analysed. The museum's team found that the skull almost certainly did not originate in Britain. Furthermore, cut marks on the skull indicated that a knife had been used to separate flesh from bone. This was not a wild beast. It was a trophy piece, or part of a leopard skin rug. The mystery, of course, persisted. Between 2000 and 2011, there were 205 reported sightings in the Devon and Cornwall area. And in 2016, a decapitated deer was found not far from where large, lion-like footprints were photographed shortly after. It was a grisly reminder that something mysterious and lethal remains on Bodmin Moor. When we weigh up the existence of a native big cat population in Britain, it's important to note the hard evidence which has actually been retrieved, including dead cats shot or otherwise killed or captured alive if they're lucky. In the cases of the Surrey Puma and the beasts of Exmoor and Bodmin, no cats have ever been retrieved, but over the years, numerous specimens have been recovered in the wild. Even if we often can't tell whether these examples were born in the wild, they prove, if nothing else, that an awful lot of big cats are out there. After several years of local sightings in Invernessshire, Scotland, farmer Ted Noble had had enough. He built a cage trap on his land with a sheep's head for bait. In 1980, his gambit was successful, and he captured a live puma. The puma was relocated to the Highland Wildlife Park in Kincraig, where she became a favourite of visitors and given a name befitting a cat, Felicity. The director of the zoo, Eddie Orbell, told the Inverness Courier that Felicity was most likely a tame animal who had recently escaped or been set free. After all, unlike most wild animals, she would only eat prepared food and enjoyed being tickled. After her death, she was stuffed and placed in Inverness Museum. In the late 1990s, rumours were rife in North London of a big cat loose in the city. In 1998, roads in Potter's Bar and South Mims were diverted, and residents issued with strict orders to remain indoors after a sighting. It wasn't taken entirely seriously, though, when proof failed to materialise. However, in May 2001, the residents of Cricklewood in North London received the fright of a lifetime when a Eurasian lynx sprinted across local school grounds and into a housing estate, hotly pursued by the police and animal welfare experts, an RSPCA officer, a senior vet, and the head lion keeper of London Zoo. She'd been spotted by Carol Montague, a local cleaner, who called in the sighting. The eventual chase lasted for four hours, and upon capture, the creature was named Lara. 
but a far more familiar and catchy alias was given to her by the British press, the Beast of Barnet, after the local borough. Lara, estimated to be just 18 months old, was rehomed at London Zoo. She was treated for malnutrition and a broken paw. The origin of the creature remains unknown, but she's believed to have been set free by, or escaped from, a private, illegal owner. Both Felicity and Lara appear to have been tame animals, or at least kept by private owners, before being released into the wild. It sounds incredible, but it may be more common than we think. In the lead-up to the passing of the 1976 Dangerous Wild Animals Act, it's suggested that dozens of cats were released into the wild by private owners. It wasn't rare, in the earlier part of the 20th century, to find big cats in the possession of those wealthy and reckless enough to keep them as pets. One could purchase panthers or leopards in certain upscale London department stores, leash them up, and simply walk them home. Rather than go to the trouble of acquiring a license for their dangerous companions, or finding a way to safely relocate them, many owners simply drop their pets in the countryside. You'd think that nobody would admit to such a reckless act, but 25 years later, a lion tamer named Leslie Maiden admitted to just that. He told his local newspaper that in advance of the law passing, he released not just one, but two big cats onto the moors of Derbyshire, a panther and a cougar. He was stated as saying, At first, I was a bit worried about how they would get on, but I went up to the moors a few weeks later and saw bones of sheep and pheasants, so I think they adapted pretty well. Maiden, who was known locally as One-Eyed Mick, kept company with many like-minded people. His associate, Lewis Foley, said that another friend released a panther in Nottinghamshire two years prior. But, according to the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, they did not break the law. It didn't become illegal to set loose wild animals until a few years later. It's this strange chapter in the history of wild cats in Britain, which in 2017 added a new twist in the tale of the Beast of Bodmin. That year, the owner of Dartmoor Zoo came forward to suggest why sightings of the creature began in 1978. He said it was the release of three pumas into the wild by another zoo owner, Mary Chipperfield. Chipperfield, like One-Eyed Mac before her, was something of a character. Born in a circus caravan in 1938, she participated in animal shows and became an expert trainer and zookeeper, even supplying animals to the production of the film Dr. Doolittle. She had a complicated legacy even before her story coincided with that of the Beast of Bodmin. In 1999, she was convicted of 12 counts of animal cruelty towards a young chimpanzee in her care. In keeping with that attitude to animal safety, Dartmoor Zoo's owner Benjamin Mee claims that after Plymouth Zoo was forced to close down in the 70s, Chipperfield set the three pumas free rather than sell them on. Incidentally, two of the pumas were male and one was female, perhaps explaining the numerous sightings over the years since. Mrs. Chipperfield died in 2014 and was unable to contest the allegations. Investigations have revealed that many big cats are being kept illegally in the UK without the necessary licenses and often in inappropriate conditions. As for buying and selling these big cats without detection by the law, 
it's often as simple as finding the right Facebook groups. It seems inevitable that many of the big cats illegally kept in homes around Britain would eventually break free, and that the owners wouldn't rush to report these escaped animals. But a few escaped pets can't explain the sheer volume of sightings or their fairly even geographic distribution. New generations of cats have to be arriving from somewhere. It's been proposed that the creatures comprise an unidentified subspecies which has survived and even thrived in Britain since the Ice Age. It's a tantalising theory, which would explain why the creatures captured on film often don't seem to match any known species of cat. But the last glacial period is thought to have finished 11,700 years ago. These cats would have to have been very well hidden. We know that big cats did roam the British Isles during the last Ice Age. There's physical evidence that links, among other species, were around during this time. We also have plenty of evidence that species previously thought to be extinct, Laxarus taxa, to the experts, have actually survived out of sight of human eyes. You might think that such cases are restricted to small examples of fish, insects and plants, but other much bigger creatures have survived beyond the time when humans prematurely declared them extinct. Consider the Zanzibar leopard, hunted to extinction by the year 2002 by humans who believed the leopards were man-eaters, yet sighted just once more in 2018 by a camera trap. There's also the case of the thylacine, or Tasmanian tiger, actually a carnivorous marsupial. Again, these creatures were killed off by humans. The last known was shot in the wild in 1930. Yet, these unmistakable creatures continue to be seen from time to time. Evidence of big cats in Britain is persistently challenged with the suggestion that these are merely larger-than-average house cats, or dogs, or other wildlife. Are we programmed to see big cats where the reality is more mundane? It's been suggested that our human survival instincts, which elevated humanity from being prey for larger animals into the dominant species on the planet, amplify signals into bigger threats than they are. In his 2013 bestseller Feral, the environmental journalist George Monbiot suggests that the phantom cats are the result of our instincts going haywire. There's a chance that those big cats we keep seeing are simply small cats closer to the observer than we think, he writes. He adds that the sightings perhaps reflect an unexpressed wish for lives wilder and fiercer than those we now lead. Dr. David Clark of Sheffield Hallam University agrees, writing, People believe it because they want something magic back in their environment. Are our minds simply failing to catch up with the reality that predators no longer pose a threat to us? When it comes to tracking big cat activity across the country, there's a thriving civilian effort, but there's also a legion of experts providing in-depth analysis. Dr. Andrew Hemmings of Gloucestershire's Royal Agricultural University undertook a study of black leopards and pumas at Exmoor Zoo. His team matched bite marks on animal carcasses with those made in captivity, and found that the marks could only have been made by large, non-native cats. Hemmings believes there could be hundreds of specimens in the wild. He said, It's really no surprise to me anymore that these things are out there. 
It's just a search for the documentary, empirical and objective evidence. Rick Minter, perhaps the UK's most prominent big cat expert, has estimated that 80% of UK sightings could have some substance to them, and that there may be around 250 black leopards and 250 pumas at large in rural Britain. Minter even believes that the number could be higher. Speaking to The Guardian in 2019, he said, In an isolated population, things can change very rapidly and nature can take a burst forward. That is, scientifically, really bloody interesting. He's not in it for the money. Minter advises landowners on how to protect their livestock from the threat of big cats at no cost, merely in exchange for information about their experiences. The conversation has reached such a critical mass that a spokesperson for DEFRA, the UK government's Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, has issued a statement on the phenomenon. Neither Natural England nor DEFRA have received any credible reports of wild, living or breeding big cats in Britain in recent years. DEFRA is not currently engaged in any work related to the management of wild big cats in Britain and has no plans to do so. Of the sightings, a spokesperson for the RSPCA said, A lot of these sightings are unconfirmed, but people should not necessarily be alarmed. There's no need for people to panic. Their advice for people who spotted a big cat in the wild? Keep your distance and contact the police. Ironically, at the same time as unidentified cats are running wild, government ministers may soon approve plans to reintroduce the Eurasian lynx to parts of the country. That's the same species as the so-called Beast of Barnet, Lara. The plans have the dual objective of reducing the local deer population and boosting biodiversity. It would also increase tourism, says the Lynx UK Trust. We'll never be able to prove conclusively that big cats aren't roaming in the British countryside. But what does the hunt tell us about ourselves? That we look for the exciting in the everyday? Or more cynically, that we're prone to imagining a common enemy where there isn't one? That question might become more urgent in the weeks and months to come. Chris Mullins of Beastwatch UK suggests that recent coronavirus lockdowns across the country, with the corresponding effect of minimising human activity, could be causing previously apprehensive animals to become bolder and make more incursions into populated areas. We can easily imagine an undiscovered species stalking the wilderness of rural America or the jungles of Asia. But Britain is a small island. The possibility of an exotic and dangerous species living right under our noses and thriving in a land that was never meant for them provides a glimmer of hope that there are parts of this country that remain untravelled uncivilized and wild. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's story. Head to astonishingpodcast.com to find information about the podcast, as well as links to our Instagram, Twitter and Facebook pages with teasers on upcoming episodes. If you'd like to support us, you can also donate directly at supporter.acast.com forward slash astonishing 
Your support allows us to invest in better equipment for improving the recording and sound quality of our podcast and ensures we can continue to produce it. In our next episode, we'll reveal how paranoia, mistrust, and families at war in 17th century England led to mass hysteria and a witch hunt on a scale never seen before or since in Britain. How did the testimony of one little girl change the meaning of the word witch forever? You've been listening to Astonishing. <laughs>